Profiles in Teaching with Technology is a podcast series created by Music First, a company dedicated to providing world-class cloud-based tools, content, and classroom management platforms to music teachers around the world. Each episode features a K-12 music educator who uses technology to enhance their teaching in innovative ways. We'll discuss the what, why, and how of their technology integration and hopefully share some teaching strategies that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms, as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Heath Jones currently teaches music technology at McConnell Middle School in the Gwinnett County Public School System in Lawrenceville, Georgia. He has been the lead teacher for music technology with Gwinnett County Public Schools and is currently the music technology chair for the Georgia Music Educators Association. Heath spent 15 years as a high school band director before transitioning to middle school band for four years and then taking an unexpected turn into the world of music technology. He has spent the last six years teaching music technology exclusively. Heath has been part of a working committees for Gwinnett County Public Schools and the Georgia Department of Education in developing curriculum, performance standards, and assessments at both the state and local level. He is in demand as a guest lecturer, having presented sessions at the NAFME National Conference, the Midwest International Band and Orchestra Clinic on two occasions, and numerous state-level conferences on topics of music technology and curriculum. He is an Apple educator and a certified Soundtrap and Note Flight educator. He's also the author of Music Technology 101, published by Hal Leonard, and the founder of MusicTechTeacherNet.com, a website that supports and encourages an international audience of music technology educators and enthusiasts. He is passionate in his work to support and encourage his own students while advocating for the continued growth of music technology programs in his state, region, and country. Well, I have the tremendous pleasure this week of welcoming Heath Jones to the podcast. Heath, uh, I have known for, gosh, at least six or seven years now through uh, my association with uh, the Georgia Music Educators. And I've gone down to that show a bunch of times in Athens, Georgia, and I would always see you there, Heath. And I know that you've got your own kind of whole little music technology empire that you're building down there on, uh, in Gwinnett County. So I'm absolutely thrilled uh, to have you on the show and welcome. Well, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you being here and asking me to come on the show. It's oh, my, my pleasure. So first of all, before we go any further, you have your own podcast, do you not? Yeah, I do. It's called uh, Mu Tech Teacher Talk and uh, it's on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. All right. So I will make sure to post a link to that in the description of this podcast. I, I urge everybody to go and, and check that out. And you also, Keith, before we get into the interview, uh, what is it, about a year ago, you published your first book with Hal Leonard? Yeah, it came out in uh, March of 2021. Perfect um, timing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So almost a year ago, it's uh, called Music Technology 101. So yeah, go on Amazon and pick that up. Heath Jones, Music Technology 101. Again, and I'll post a link to that in the, in the description as well. Uh, I love to plug when, when my guests have their own cool stuff. So uh, again, Heath, thanks for being here. Why don't you, um, I know I've been to Gwinnett County, which is a, sub a suburb of uh, Atlanta many times. I, I met uh, with Robert Andrews, the previous supervisor of music there uh, back in probably as early as 2006, 2007. But before we get into like what you're doing right now, I would love for you to give us like the five to 10 minute snapshot of, of your career, all the, all the way back to like how you got interested in music and middle school, high school, and, and where you are today at McConnell Middle School. Well, what a what a long, strange journey it's been, All as right. they say. <laughs> but you know, I can remember as a kid, I must have been uh, probably maybe eight or nine years old, and I had an older cousin, um, and he had this room in his house. It wasn't a very large room, but um, he had like the latest like hi-fi stereo system, turntables. And on either wall of the room, he had uh, wooden peach crates. 
And these peach crates were exactly the right size to store uh, LP records. Oh, and, cool. and so his walls, like, like I said, was just full of these records. And I couldn't touch any of the equipment or the records, but I could go in there and just point and whatever it is I wanted to listen to, he'd pull out and play. Oh, that's and, awesome. Yeah. And so he had like all of the original like Beatles albums and Rolling Stones and uh, Elton John, Billy Joel. But the thing that caught my ear early on was uh, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. Awesome. It, and specifically, it was uh, the tenor sax playing of Clarence Clemens. And I heard him playing that saxophone and I was just like captured by that sound. And I went, I want to, I want to learn how to play the saxophone. Um, and so that was the early inspiration that got me, you know, started. So when I, you know, had my first opportunity to join the band, I joined and was like, I, I want to play the saxophone. So that's awesome. So that's where I started. Um, and then as I went through middle school and high school, uh, the, band director had they had a need for a tuba player and i actually picked up the tuba and really was, yeah and so i was playing tuba like in the concert band and the marching band but i continued playing saxophone in our jazz band and we had you know really pretty good jazz band uh through high school so uh, i know that's a weird combination but now i saw i'm a tuba player i didn't know if you knew that that's super cool yeah so, uh, yeah, so eventually, you know, I auditioned uh, to go to college, uh, the University of Georgia, and I actually auditioned on saxophone and tuba, and they offered me uh, a little bit of a scholarship to join the tuba studio. So at that point, I officially became a tuba player. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, so, but um, yeah, so my middle school and high school band director was, uh, his name was Lane Moore. And uh, Lane was like a, like a magician to me because he was a wonderful musician and he was the band director, but he was also a great uh, piano player. And, uh, you know, we would sit in his office and just listen to him, you know, play piano. Um, and he was the person who really, because uh, I grew up in a very rural area of South Carolina. And um, honestly, a lot of us, um, you know, it wasn't a, a big expectation to go to college or uh, versus going, uh, you know, into a career field or a tech field. He was the person that said, uh, you should go to college and you could be a music major. So, and he was really an inspiration and, and I wanted to be like him. So right, right, right. from the time, you know, I was in, you know, junior high school, high school, I wanted to be a band director. So, I went to the University of Georgia and got my music ed degree and then went on and did a master's degree at the University of South Carolina um, and studied with Jim Copenhaver, who was the longtime band director uh, at USC, and uh, Bill Moody, who was uh, the head of the School of Music at USC, but also uh, taught graduate level conducting classes and uh, that sort of thing. So uh, they were uh, hugely influential to me as, as well as who I had uh, University of Georgia, I was with uh, Do Dr. Dwight Satterwhite and Dr. John Culverhouse. And so all those, you know, all the band directors I had in my life were, were very influential and super supportive. So I wanted to be a band director. And right. so I, I, I went out and uh, spent my first two years as an assistant band director before um, I became a head band director. Uh, at Hickson High School outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee for a couple of years. And then uh, I went to Sumter High School uh, in South Carolina um, and was the director of bands there and the director of orchestra. That was one of the things interesting. The first four years of my career, I didn't expect it. I didn't expect to be, but I was a band director as well as an orchestra director. Um, but I was uh, in Sumter for, uh, let's see, uh, seven seven, eight years. Uh, and it was a great community, a great school before I moved over to Gwinnett County. Um, and Sumter was, it wasn't a small school. We had about 2,500 students at the high school. Wow. It, was a, it was a very small system. Like the Sumter High School was the only high school in the county or in that, in that school system. And then I moved to Gwinnett County, Georgia, 
which is literally one of the largest school systems in the country. Yep. Um, and, uh, and Gwinnett's wonderful. It is, uh, they have for many, many years been very supportive of fine arts programs and music programs. And, uh, you know, you uh, had mentioned the, you know, the fine arts director. Our fine arts director now is, uh, his name is David DuBose and he's continued uh, Robert Andrews who preceded him, but uh, uh, David DuBose has been hugely supportive of our fine arts programs and music programs. So, um, but then after I spent about four years at Peachy Ridge High School, um, there was, you know, a new principal, a new administration came in. Uh, you know, my wife and I had um, uh, two children at that time that, and kids, you know, begin to change your life view. They sure do. So, um, but up until that time, I had loved being a band director. Um, so anyway, I made the move in 2011 to a middle school to do middle school band. And I thought, well, you know, I don't, that'll relieve some of the Friday night uh, obligations and Saturday competitions and booster club meetings and you know, how hard could middle school band be? <laughs> and uh, Famous oh, last words. Yes, indeed. So uh, that was, uh, yeah, I, I certainly gained a whole new appreciation for uh, all middle school educators, not just band directors. But uh, in any case, when I went to the middle school, um, the first year I was there, we didn't have enough students in the eighth grade band program to fill out two sections of band. So the, since I had an open period, the principal there told me that I'd be teaching general music. Um, and I wasn't super excited about that. Right. Um, you know, those are, you know, the students are just assigned to that class and um, not always the most motivated. Uh, exactly. Um, nice way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. So it was, um, but while I had been at Peachtree Ridge High School, I became familiar with uh, Gwinnett County at that time in 2011, had had music technology programs at the high schools for a number of years. Um, you know, Ken Simpson, who was yeah, at yeah. Brookwood High School, probably started one of the uh, uh, early. Yeah, fantastic programs. music educator. I know Ken. That's great. Yeah, Ken's awesome. And then Tim Johnson was at. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So those two, like Tim and uh, Ken were, you know, sort of, I'm not trying to date them, but they're sort of like the, the, the grandfather. They are, they um, are, they've been around a long time. That's I, I talked to Ken a couple of years ago. He's doing really well. Yeah. Yeah. I just heard from him not too long ago and um, wanted to come, sent me a note said, Hey, I'd like to come over to the middle school and check out what you're doing. And I immediately got, I was like, sure. But then I felt so nervous because I'm like, right. oh my gosh, Ken Sips is, kind of, is going to come <laughs> check out what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, they were there. And then uh, Marion English was another who was at uh, North Gwinnett High School. And Marion was a huge help to me uh, when I moved into uh, music technology. So at the middle school, again, when they said, you know, you're going to teach general music, I was like, oh man. Um, and so I tried to uh, think of some ways to come up with something that would be, um, you know, a little more engaging for the students. So I went to the principal and said, you know, we've got these music tech programs at the high school. Why don't we do music tech at the middle school? And he was like, sure, well, let's you know go for it. Um, the only problem was I didn't really know anything about technology. Oh, there you go. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I was a band director. Why did I need technology? You know, right. I just needed my scores and baton and uh, Dr. B and a tuner. There you uh, go. So it was, um, yeah, I really had no idea what I was doing. So, and we didn't have a lab, we didn't have any equipment. Um, but basically I just reserved one of the PC labs in our school every day that I had that group of students and we would go into the PC lab. Um, we had a tech person in the building that was super supportive and, um, was actually is actually a very fine musician and I went to him and said hey could you push audacity out to all the all the computers in this one lab and he was like sure so we used audacity and then went online to find basically anything 
that was free you know at the time right. it was it was you know fruity loops was now was wow like fl studio and, absolutely and um so we you know pull loops together and use audacity to you know try to put together songs and uh and audacity is great even it though is. that's not really exactly um it's not really designed to be uh you know a true doll or sequencer but uh, fantastic audio editing program for sure yeah but to edit audio uh you know, it was great. So uh, that's how we got started. And then while I was there, I had uh, Robert Andrews was actually still the fine arts director. And I contacted him and said, hey, is, you know, some of the high, not all the high schools are utilizing all of that equipment that they have. Could we potentially get some of that moved over to the middle school? And at the time he said, well, I can't do it right now, but we're working on something. Um, so the following year, um, or, you know, the summer or the spring preceding the next year, he said, uh, we've got some money, uh, maybe it was from a grant, I'm not sure. But uh, so they identified five middle schools in Gwinnett County that they came in and installed um, these Mac labs. So we had Mac desktops, um, you know, like 61 key MIDI synthesizers. Um, Was that a sound tree lab? Because we did a ton of work in Gwinnett. Yes, we were. It was Soundtree yep. uh, that installed uh, those first. Labs. So you had Jody Underwood, and you met, and yeah, there you go. So yes, yeah, very yes. cool. Yes, I've known Jody since uh, you know ever since then for sure. So, <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, so you know that's kind of how it started, and then at the time, you know, this was would have been 2012, 2013. We were still recovering from uh, the housing bust. Yeah. You know. And, um, and so for a number of years, you know, teachers weren't moving. If you had a job, you just wanted you to stay definitely. And um, <laughs> so when they got to a point where the economy started moving and principals were beginning to have uh, be able to hire some additional staff, um, the principal was going to hire uh, another what we call connections teacher. Um, and actually, it wasn't me, it was uh, the orchestra teacher who uh, is was a good friend and he was talking about adding like another PE teacher or something like that and she was like well why don't we do music tech full-time because right. at the time we were still just teaching one section oh. of grade and um so he he approached me about doing that and um and I thought it over for a day and I said <laughs> Yeah, I think I'll do it because, you know, like I said, those first couple of years, I was making it up as I went along and yep. was was calling Marion English um, and Tim Johnson going, how do I do this? And um, so they helped me uh, help help to kind of get me going. And the other thing through all that that was really interesting was after doing it for a couple, when I started, we actually there was no curriculum. Uh, I think we were still calling it general music, right? Uh, even though we were doing music tech. And so uh, that was when Robert Andrews uh, called me again and said, you know, we need to create a curriculum uh, for music tech if we're going to do this at the middle school. And so why don't you help us write it? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, that's what I said. Because again, it was, it's, you know, remember through all of this, I'm not a tech person. I never right. have been. Um, so, but I think um, it wasn't necessarily a, a conscientious decision, but it was the fact that it was the only way I knew how to do this. So when it came to creating the curriculum, I was really thinking, you know, I don't, I don't know technology. I'm not an expert with technology. I'm not an expert in a recording studio or understanding how to use right. microphones and mixers and all that stuff. But I did know how to teach music. Exactly. Uh, and so when I started putting together this, uh, you know, a curriculum for the music technology at its foundation is, was music. Right. Um, so, because I knew how to teach music. So it was just a matter then of learning how to, or integrate. How to yeah, how to how to treat that technology as like an instrument, you know. Yep. I was a tuba player, but you know, I had to know how to play, you know, how to teach someone how to play a clarinet or a flute. So I began to, you know, think of technology as just sort of another instrument. I had to learn how to teach students to use to make music. 
And that's kind of, you know, where I did that for Gwinnett County. And then I think it was the following year, the Georgia Department of Education, um, Jessica Booth is the fine arts specialist with the Department of Education here in Georgia. And when she came in, the fine arts curriculum for the state had not been updated or revised in, I think it was like 20 years or something. So she began putting together groups of teachers to uh, overhaul and revise the, the performance standards and state level assessments and those kind of things. And so I ended up being on the group that she put together to create the middle school standards for music technology, because at the time they didn't exist. So, um, so yeah, I was on that committee with the, the department of education. Um, and, you know, we worked closely with the high school to make sure that we came up with a curriculum that, you know, students could start in the sixth grade and, and, you know, follow that, uh, pretty seamlessly into the high school. And, um, and then by that time, I kind of looked around and people started contacting me or calling me. Exactly. For, you know, about all this music technology curriculum. And I still, when I talk about it, I just kind of giggle some. Um, yeah, now you're the expert, right? You, you went from like, you, you know, you're going to mentors going, how do you do this? And, and then you go and do it. And now everyone's calling you. That's, that's how it works very often. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's been um, it, it was certainly been an unexpected uh, kind of turn to where I am. But I will I would also say probably the most surprising thing is how much I really loved teaching music this way, right? And how much I've enjoyed really getting to know a whole sort of different part of our uh, student population that you know, I really hadn't had a chance to know before the, you know, all the non-band, non-orchestra, you know, kind of students. And yeah, I, I, you know, I love teaching it and it's, uh, you know, it's often or sometimes I'd say a different kind of student, but, uh, but when I say that it's, you know, it's sort of like their, their musical interests and tastes are different. Um, And that's been really cool. Yeah, I mean, Heath, you've said so much stuff that I would love to just pause and, and reflect on, because if I'm doing my math right, you've been teaching for nearly 30 years, 25 plus? Uh, yeah, it's 20. I think this is year 26. All right. So, you know, and and a good chunk of that was was what what many would consider the traditional music educator route especially down in in south carolina tennessee and georgia you know your band directing and and orchestra doing your thing and then and then in, in very many ways our, our our careers reflect each other quite a bit because i did the same i mean almost uh i i always brought technology in but i was I, in, in a similar way i was always looking for that right fit i found it at middle school i was a band and orchestra director and then when I got into general music, which I will be super honest, I did not want to teach middle school general music. The reason why I grasped for technology was purely a life raft. Like I got to do something that I think the kids will like or else they're going to eat me alive. Yes. Um, and and it that tech thing after, I mean, I only taught 15 years in the public schools, but after about 10 years, that's all I wanted to do. I, I was begging to stop teaching band because it was just like the, the tech thing was taking off. The kids loved it. And I just had to, that you know, very small school school that I taught in for the majority of my career. And I just couldn't. Um, but, but you also said something that's incredibly important. And I want everybody just to, I want to emphasize what you said, just so that everybody kind of processes it. And that that's real. You're just a music teacher. It's not, you're not a technology teacher. And if you put music at the forefront of any curriculum, you know, it doesn't matter what you're teaching. If it, as technology, as one tool, as one path for kids to learn, um, that's the best possible way to write a curriculum. I can't stress that enough because if you, in my opinion, if you turn it around and you make it all about the technology and that the music is just kind of like a, a happy byproduct of them learning the technology, um, then, then what, what really, what are you doing? Like what, 
you know what I'm saying? What, what are you teaching? And I know there is some people out there that, that do it that way. I just think that to me, it's the best subject taught in school is music. And if you can get more kids turned on, more kids under the tent, more kids that you wouldn't necessarily have seen in, in a concert hall, um, I, you know, I just think it's a, just a much better, it's a much better way to be. And, and, and I probably, had I not, had I been allowed to just teach technology and stop with the band, I would probably still be in a classroom today. Yeah, and you know, I think uh, part of that is, um, you know, we're, we're very, some of the things, uh, you know, it's hard to escape history. And so from one standpoint, you know, when we look at, uh, you know, schools of music, um, universities, conservatories in the United States, if you go get a music degree or a music ed degree, that's really a very kind of specific path. I mean, what we'll consider like classical music. And then on the other side of that, when you talk music technology, a lot of people think about, uh, you know, studio producers, recording engineers. Right. Um, and, you know, historically, um, you know, through the recording industry, uh, as it sort of exploded in, in the 50s and uh, through, uh, you know, up until 2000, if you wanted to, uh, you know, produce music or produce recordings you had it was considered you know kind of a technical skill you had yep. to go into a studio you had to apprentice with someone you had to learn how you know to use the soundboards you had to learn how to use you know all of these uh you know plug-in modules and, and bus boards and um it was a real technical thing and i think so even today when you talk about music tech a lot of people want to go straight to the recording studio or you know when you say you know music education, they want to go straight to what we call quote unquote classical music. But, you know, I think with the 2000s, when, you know, in the last 20 years, the way technology has really transformed all aspects of our life that, you know, today, if you want to record your own music, you have that technology at your fingertips. Yep. Um, you don't have to go into a studio. Uh, you know, you can do it on your computer and some, you know, microphones at home. And, um, you know, from that standpoint, you've got to know some of the technical aspects of how to record and how to mix, but you've got to know music too. So, you know, the people that are quote unquote producing music today aren't just recording it, but they're actually creating it. Yep. Now all, all, you know, Truth. Uh, you and I are very, uh, very much uh, aligned in many ways, Keith. I, I want to just ask, though, because, you know, you're teaching in what, what I would consider a traditional music technology lab. What on earth did you do in March of 2020 when the pandemic hit? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> well, uh, you know, there are so many, um, you know, as I say, hindsight's 2020. Um, and I, I think there's so many, uh, you know, really important lessons to kind of be learned from what happened, but, you know, for me in Gwinnett County, you know, before this hit, we're one of the early, uh, school systems in Georgia who had, uh, been, uh, I don't know, experimenting or piloting, uh, what we were calling digital snow days. So, all right. We don't get many snow days in Georgia, but yeah. And if it, uh, if 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 a half an inch falls, the entire state shuts down. <laughs> we are. Let me tell you, when I was in Cleveland a couple of weeks ago, when this blizzard <laughs> came through, I remember. I'm like, you know, in Georgia, we would have opened our front door and taken one look and just turned around and went back in the nope. house. <laughs> yeah, nope. But um, but. You know, so, and I remember vividly when it started, it was March 13th. It was a uh, yep. Thursday. Friday the 13th. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, so we were, and so before, like I said, so if we do have a snow day in Georgia, that means we're going to be out of school for one day. Right. Two days max, you know? So, you know, we had come up with these, you know, plans where you could do a quote unquote digital lesson for a day or two days. Maybe. Oh, cool. So when this happened, it was two weeks before our planned spring break. So they said, okay, you know, everyone's going home for two weeks. And basically they said, okay, we're going to do our digital snow days, but we're going to do them for, you know, 
two weeks. So 10 class, you know, 10 class days. Right. And, um, and I, at the time we were thinking, you know, we'll have this for two weeks. We'll have another week of spring break and we'll be back after that. And we never came back. Right. Um, and, you know, for me, uh, you know, my students were in a computer lab every day. Um, and a lot of the things that we were uh, doing, uh, we were already doing on the on the computer. Right. Um, our school was an early uh, uh, adopter of Google uh, yeah. education. And so we were, you know, already had, um, you know, Google Classroom, but, you know, the, the school system also gave us like a digital platform called eClass that we use. So, um, but, you know, for the rest of that school year, what's for us went, um, you know, April through the end of May, um, you know, teachers weren't given any, any real direction other than we're just going to keep teaching from home. Right. Um, so for me, I thought, well, you know, that's, it's not going to be a huge change because, you know, the kids can sign in and get on the computers like we would typically do in a classroom anyway. Um, where, whereas, you know, my friends and colleagues who were, you know, the band director and orchestra director in other subjects at my school were, you know, in full panic mode. Um, but, you know, even for me, uh, I was surprised by how different it was um, right. so you know we went in over the summer um and so going into the following school year our school system decided that they were going to give us two full weeks of pre-planning where you know in the past that maybe you know maybe we had a week but we're going to have two weeks um and you know i was thinking surely in these two weeks and over the summer they put together a plan to help, you know, give teachers some training and some great new tools that they could use because even over the summer, they were going back and forth about yep. would we be all digital? Would we be in person? And like literally, even after that first week of pre-planning, we still didn't know for sure um, until they finally decided that it was going to be hybrid. So we would have some students sitting in the classroom in front of us while other students would be joining us on zoom right um the worst of all possible scenarios in my opinion <laughs> oh my gosh so um and you know and again i mean it was you know even just using zoom well first of all um you know with zoom i don't think uh it would have been hard to anticipate uh just the the new volume of users when you yep. have, you know, wholesale school systems going oh, we're going to all use this one platform for digital conferencing. And, um, but it was a challenge. And, you know, even, um, you know, from my standpoint, I thought that the transition would be rather easy for me since I was, you know, comfortable working in a computer lab, right? Everything was different. I mean, the pacing was different. You know, I had, uh, I didn't have to modify my lesson plans very much um, because, you know, they were mostly on a computer anyway. Right. It was just a matter of, of how it was going to be delivered. Did the kids have to like figure out what to do with a keyboard or is it how much keyboard is involved in your curriculum? Well, you know, for, you know, for that year that we were in this blended mold or whatever you want to call it, because uh, typically I would use a lot of, you know, keyboards. We had the keyboard, you know, synthesizers in the right. room. Um, but it was a challenge because, you know, the kids that were at home uh, didn't have you right. know, a, a MIDI synth. So, um, you know, we used a lot of just using the QWERTY keyboard, yep. um, you know, at, for, for, you know, uh, MIDI entry of stuff. Um, and, it was, it was kind of, it was difficult because, you know, the kids in the classroom, you know, wanted to kind of use those more, but it was hard, um, you know, to figure out, okay, well, how do I get them going? Exactly. Uh, you know, I could spend a class period or part of a class period explaining like, you know, the names of the notes on the keyboard and the, the, why the, they're black keys and white keys. But in the meantime, the kids sitting at home are going, uh, 
uh, we don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. So, <laughs> so it, you know, it was, but I think still from, you know, what I was teaching, I had the easiest transition to make. I'm sure. Um, you know, the band directors uh, and choir, you know, the performance-based classes, um, I mean, you know, what a challenge. And, uh, you know, I can remember talking to, uh, you know, I, I talked to a lot of teachers at that time about, you know, just things like how to use Google Classroom um, and, you know, just communicating that way. And, you know, one of the, several of the teachers, you know, had made the comments that, you know, well, um, you know, how am I going to teach, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, in seventh grade, you know, we learned, you know, five new scales, you know, how, how are the, how am I going to teach a B flat concert scale, uh, when they're just at home or whatever. And I had, uh, and I, you know, I'd stopped, uh, you know, one of them and I was like, you know, listen, I don't want to, um, you know, throw, uh, you know, water on your idea, whatever. I'm right, like, right. I was like, but listen, I said, when this is over uh, and the kids come back to school, I said, if I were you, your biggest goal right now is that they come back. Exactly. <laughs> when this is over. So, um, you know, I said, rather than worrying about, you know, how you're going to teach, you know, articulations and key signatures and this stuff. I said, you know, if you can keep them on their instrument, if you can keep them from putting that instrument in a closet for the next, you know, nine, 10, 11 months. Right. Um, and they come back and, you know, all the slides aren't frozen and, uh, you know, <laughs> the reeds, the reeds have mold on them. And so right. I, said, I said, if you can do that, you've been successful. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. So, and it was, uh, and I, you know, and I have, you know, friends and colleagues out there that I, I thought, you know, were highly creative and, and doing things to, uh, you know, keep the students involved. You know, there's a lot of talk about, um, you know, student centered learning and letting students um, have a part of the decision making process and like what they're going to learn. And, you know, I can remember as a band director thinking, well, I'm not going to let the students pick the literature we're going to play. Like, I know what they need to learn how to play and, and do. But, um, you know, again, music tech has sort of changed that. But I, I think that was a big part of, you know, the COVID year uh, is to, you know, really be able to find things that the students were going to be engaged with, music that they related to, that kept them interested in playing their instrument. Yeah. And uh, I think the ones, the people that were most successful with that are the ones that have the, the, the least, least steepest hill to climb to That's get right. the kids back. So Heath, just real quick, cause I'm looking at the clock and I want to make sure I get all, I have so many uh, things I want to chat about with you. So I'm trying to figure it out. Um, what, what, uh, you are a big user of note flight and soundtrack. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I use uh, soundtrack almost daily. Right. Um, you know, note flight right now, most of this, the classes I'm teaching are beginning level uh, music text. So right. I, do, I don't get into a lot of uh, traditional notation notation right. with them, uh, but I've used note flight um, a lot and have worked with, uh, uh, you know, teachers, uh, and, and have been, a one of their, I guess, note flights, ed, ed specialists to yep. help do PD to train teachers with, to, to do that. I get it. I get it. So yeah. like during, during the, those kids at home, if they couldn't be in the lab and work on that, uh, work, you know, on whatever software you have there, um, they were using Soundtrap at home. Yeah, we use, you know, that last year with COVID, we use Soundtrap pretty much exclusively. Right. Yeah, totally makes it, sense. Yeah, and it was uh and it was fantastic. Um it it was a great platform and you know, even this year where, you know, now we have all the students back. And again, you know, wanted to as a credit to Gwinnett County, they made sure uh last year that, you know, all of us who were teaching music technology that we had uh, 
subscriptions for Soundtrap for all of our oh, that's students. That's great. And um, so, yeah, we use that ex uh, pretty exclusively. But now that we're you know back in person, we still have uh, those student accounts. And so we still, I still use Soundtrap. How oh, cool. Probably 75% of the time. Wow. Uh, with my yeah, it's just, a, it's such a great little piece of software and it does, it's so powerful and you kind of don't have to worry about what the kids have at home. It's just a great solution. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fantastic. And, you know, it, it Soundtrap and NoteFlight both, um, I, I think one of the things that's so great about it is how the teacher and student can interact and how you can share feedback. Yep. Uh, it's the, it's the, the collaborative piece um, that I think makes them really great. And it's not just between teacher and student, but even from student to student, they can yep. collaborate with each other, which is awesome. Yeah. Now I'm going to, I'm going to shift gears on you, Heath, because I will, I'm going to pay you one of the highest compliments I can possibly pay you. And that is, the last time I saw you in person before the two conferences we were just at together was at GMEA 2020. And you did what I think is one of the top five music education events I've ever seen in my life. Um, and it was, I guess, in your role as a, a, at GMEA and your kind of statewide role, you ran this, you know, young composers competition or, or showcase, if you will. And it, and there was this performance at the Tweed uh, recording studios right there in Athens, Georgia. And you had, I don't know, 15, 20 kids get up and the way you organized it and had really these kids writing popular music, uh, you know, music that they really wanted to write and they really enjoyed. And you showcase them all. These kids got up. It reminded me of the Vermont MIDI project now called Music Comp. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed. And I was there with Robin Hodson and we had the biggest smiles on our faces. For, for, those, of, uh, for those listening, um, is any of that online? Is there any way I could show people or you could uh, maybe I can pop a link to, I mean, it's just one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Well, first of all, I've just, I'm sitting here with goosebumps. Uh, uh, just you know, to hear you say that. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And I mean, so it. I mean, it was so incredible. I can't, I mean, these kids had one of the coolest experiences that I've seen in our country um and and really hats off to you the way you organized it was fantastic yeah it, it it was and there were things about that event that were very unexpected and you know to your question about is there no it's not posted anywhere and okay. um so for a, a number of a, a number of reasons but uh we're looking and hopefully being able to do that in uh you know in the future but yeah, you know, when it started, uh, you know, my original idea for establishing the event, uh, and I tell people that are there, I, I, you know, if you're a band or orchestra, or choir, or elementary school teacher, whatever, and you get invited to bring your group to perform at the state conference, that's, that's a huge honor, you know, for the students and for the teacher. And I think it really serves two purposes. One, to be invited to perform at that conference is, um, you know, it's, it's a great reward to the students and teachers for the hard work that they're doing, but it also serves as a model for the other music educators that are there to go, Absolutely. you know, this is what really great teaching looks and sounds like in a band room or an orchestra room or an elementary classroom. And so early on, when I first started teaching music tech, the first question I would always get from people was, so what is that exactly? So when I started this event, um, you know, one of the, the biggest reasons behind it was I wanted teachers to be able to come in and go, oh, that's what they're doing. Oh, that's cool. what they're learning how to do. So as a model, um, and certainly to recognize those students and teachers, but the thing that was very surprising that was not ex expected at all um, but at that first event, we had all the students sit on the front row together. And the reason yeah. why was because at the end, they were all going to come up and get a certificate or whatever. And it was purely for logistical reasons. Let's put them up front. So it'll be really easy for them to come up and get their certificate or whatever. 
But what was so awesome is I sat there with them so I could see the students. And as the different, uh, you know, compositions are being played, they're all very different. So, you know, one student may have uh, created something that was, you know, very kind of hip hoppy rap kind of thing. You know, another student uh, uh, did something that was, you know, maybe sort of like a, a MIDI version of, you know, a Bach Fantasia or something. Yep. And where, you know, another student was very sort of theatrical, soundtracky kind of thing. And then the next student was like a pop ballad. So it was all these different styles of music. But as each of the, the songs were being played, all of the other students were looking at that other student who maybe created uh, music in a totally different genre than what they were interested in. And they were so supportive of each other. They're like, oh man, that was so cool. And then, you know, the next thing was something totally different. And they would look at each other and go, oh, that's really cool. So, you know, to see them really appreciate what the others had created, even though uh, it may have come from, you know, a very different genre, uh, you know, they can tap into, I think, their own experience, you know, culturally in their communities. Um, but to see how open they were to hearing, you know, different styles and genres of music was, I was like, oh my gosh. That's what it's all about, man. That is literally it. You distill it all down. That is why you do what you do, in my opinion. I, I, I would, my cheeks were hurting from smiling. I remember, I'll never forget it, man. And I hope you do that. What's the name of the event? Because if people want to, especially if you're in the state of Georgia and you don't get your kids involved in this, you're, you're crazy, in my opinion. What, what, do, what do you call it? Is it, what's yeah, the we, we call it, it's the, uh, the GMEA Music Technology Student Showcase. And from the beginning, because we have, and again, I, I'm not uh, trying to disparage anything that anybody else is doing, but we have some other events that, you know, are like the annual composition contest right. or, you know, the, the this or that competition. And <clears throat> I didn't want to present it as a competition at yep. all. Yep. Um, so we just call it the student showcase. And, you know, from the beginning, uh, that first year, I think we had about 70 submissions. Um, and this last year, our third year, I think we were up to about 115. Um, but one of the things that we started with uh, that was really important to me is that every student that contributes, that submits something, receives feedback from the evaluators. Yep. Um, so <clears throat> I just, I have a Google form that, you know, as evaluators listen, um, uh, you know, they, they give them, they're giving them uh, comments about musical content, the use of technology, you know, creativity, craft, that kind of thing. And, yep. um, so every student, whether they're invited to participate in the showcase or not, receives that feedback from the evaluators. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, I'm going to, I'll say it here on a podcast, Heath. If you ever need uh, help with sponsorship, you let me know. I, I am one of your biggest fans. I think that is the coolest thing I've seen in a very long time. Awesome. Yeah, I'll, we'll definitely be. <laughs> awesome. So I have one, I'm, I'm looking at the clock and I want to make sure we get this last question in there, Heath, and that's the magic wand. And you know, with all your experience, I'm sure you have a, a couple of things in mind. So if you could wave a magic wand to let music first or music technology do something that it can't already do, what would it be? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I actually think that's, that's a, a sort of a, a difficult question in yep. some ways. Um, you know, one of the things that I think is really great about technology is how, you know, when we talk about like individualized student learning, um, you know, it really is, I've seen it be uh, really kind of level the playing field. If a student comes in, you know, even someone that has physical disabilities or learning uh, challenges or whatever that uh, you offer, you can get a lot of different um ways to kind of customize that student learning. It's one of the things that, you know, I think Music First particularly does so well because you can, as a teacher, you can come in and sort of see, you know, what are, what are the needs of my students? And you can, you know, you'll sort of have like a menu of, yeah. 
you know, what, what are the things that are going to best suit my situation? Because it's not going to be the same thing from one school to the other. That's the truth. Um, so I, you know, I, I think that collaboration part, like I mentioned with Soundtrap and Note Flight, where teachers and students uh, can really collaborate with each other is, I think we're still learning how to leverage that uh, yep. in even better ways. And, you know, the other thing I think, um, you know, there's so many, you know, we're moving into, you know, what people refer to as a creative economy. Um, and even when you look at things like TikTok or YouTube or, or whatever, you know, social media, SoundCloud, um, you know, people are talking about content creators. Um, and I, you know, the tools that we have to teach music uh, with through technology are great. Um, I think maybe like the next step is how we can continue to use that technology to empower students to be content creators. Yeah. So, you know, learn, um, you know, whatever your instrument is, um, you know, whether you're in a band or orchestra or, or a music tech class, you know, you're learning uh, your craft, but, you know, uh, you know, what if, you know, even if you're a violinist and you want to compose, uh, you know, how, how can you get, uh, you know, your music out there uh, for, you know, people to see and hear. And there are ways there, you know, that's developing even from things like what they're doing at Hal Leonard with like Arrange Me and, and Note Flight, um, where people can, you know, publish their music and, and to the, you know, the, the collaborative tools that we have, uh, like with Soundtrap and Note Flight and the stuff that y'all have at, at Music First. I think that's the that's what I would love to see next. Is yeah, I love it. I love a, it. I, a, a culture where students can create their own original stuff and get it out there. Love it. Heath, I can't thank you enough for spending some time with me. And I'm sure that the listeners uh, are smiling as much as I am. I, I wish you all the best. I, 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 um, I, if Please go and check out the links that I put in the... Uh, the podcast description, go check out Music Technology 101. If you like uh, Heat's approach, which I love, um, go and grab that and uh, and check out uh, his podcast and his website as well. He thanks so much and have a great rest of your school year. Uh, thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation. All right, man. Take care. Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.